Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is a GPS app for your phone or tablet computer that is created by hunters for hunters and right now is the the most important time of the year in my opinion to start using the Onyx Hunt app and the way I'm using it this time of year is a lot from my desktop computer. I'll be going scouting new areas, looking, especially when it comes to Pennsylvania mountain bucks, western hunts, whatever that might be. I'm looking for areas. I'm scouting them out, looking for public land pieces and the different terrain features I'm looking into and everything else using that, marking waypoints. And what's cool about it is that transfers directly over to your phone and you have those waypoints marked for when you go in the field and actually get boots on the ground. So if you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app, you can head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW. That'll save yourself 20% off of the Hunt app for the Elite and Premium memberships. And so a new one I want to talk about today, and it's, it's not really new if you've been following along with some of my stuff now for over the last year, but Mountain Tough Fitness. So I've... I've been using the program now for a little over a year, and I last year I went through their postseason and preseason program. Where so basically, it's an app on your phone and or on your computer. You can get in there and check out all the workouts, daily workouts, videos, everything there. That basically it's like a a coach, a fitness coaching platform that you don't have to, you know, pay hundreds of dollars every month to go to. It's right there on your phone. You complete it um, on your own time when you want to do it. So uh, last year, by me going through this course and staying disciplined, getting up every morning, 4.30 in the morning, going to the gym, and you know, some of these workouts aren't even in the, the gym. So I was throwing the pack on, and really everything is built for the hunter and it makes you well-rounded in every aspect, but I, uh, I I just noticed so much of difference um, for myself when I was on my elk hunt in Idaho. the The mountains seemed easier to climb. They're never easy, but it just was a. It's elk hunts are a grind, and you know even with mountain whitetail hunting, anything else, they're, they're a grind throughout the season, and. The difference between this and other programs is that it builds the mental toughness needed to get through those long days and nights and and then ultimately once you're packing out the meat at the end, that's the ultimate goal and it definitely helps out with that. So what I want to talk about is Mountain Tufts new backcountry hunter all access. So what that is is basically their postseason strength program a brand new spring training camp program, the preseason prep program, and another new fall in-season program. So they've also included with that is their Eat Mountain Tough online nutrition that you get free with this package. So it's absolutely the best way to kind of kick off 2020 and begin 
to live the always ready mentality and lifestyle. So you'll get lifetime access to 12 months of daily online coaching that's trusted by dedicated mountain hunters like myself. So the let's break it down a little bit here. The four-month program is the, the postseason strength program, building yourself back up after hunting season. And then you go into the, the new two-month, it's a spring training program, building up some of that cardio to get ready to, for your preseason program, which is a four-month program. And then once you're in season, maybe in between hunts, um, maybe you're hunting in the afternoons when it comes to whitetail season, then they have a two-month in-season program that helps, you know, keep that strength on, but not, you know, blowing out your cardio, making you sore where you're, you know, struggling in the, in the, you know, during the season there, but it makes sure that you don't fall out of shape and get rid of all that work that you did. So in addition to that, you get the free gift, which is the online nutrition program and access to the mountain tough coaches for questions and support private access to the lab, which is basically a like-minded community that you can have feedback, accountability, support. And this video-based program is delivered directly to your smartphone, tablet, desktop, whatever you have. And right now they're doing a special deal where you can get lifetime access to this program for $699. So $699, it's $150 off if you get it before January 24th. And they also have a payment plan. So you can get in there, 10 monthly payments of $75. And uh, if you head over to mountaintough.com, which is M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H.com, and check that out. Um, the one last thing I want to say about that, you know, with the first time me really, you know, talking about it and introducing it is this is something that, you know, I've field tested here, um, sort of speak for the last year. And I, I've always been big into fitness and working out, but this is really what I needed to, I just felt better in every aspect of my life working out for me in the mornings. I love it because I, it gets my day started off right. Um, you know, awake and productive once I get to work, um, for my day job, get it out of the way and you're in some of the best shape possible for the mountains. So I, I would highly recommend everyone checks that out. Uh, in addition to mountain tough. So I, I like to use, I like to eat healthy. That's my number one thing that I like to do. But in addition to that mountain ops supplements are something that I use just to help with my daily, um, lifestyle and, and, so they offer, you know, healthy supplements. You can get a whole bunch of different options, but the ones that I like to take, so this is what my morning routine looks like. Before I go and do my mountain tough workout, I'm grabbing the the multivitamin and biotics through Mountain Ops. Taking those, I'm mixing up a Yeti pre-workout drink, drinking that on the way to the gym. I mix up some BCAs for in my water while I'm working out, which those are branched chain amino acids help with the recovery, hydration, and everything else within the workout. And then I'm following that up with the magnum protein at the end for recovery. And that that list of you know items there, those supplements, have really helped. I mean, I, I still think eating healthy is number one, no excuse. 
that's what you need to do at the beginning to really elevate your overall health and fitness. But these supplements just help when when you're you know need a little bit extra. You need some extra vitamins in you, some things to to be able to recover quickly. Uh, Mountain Ops has been my go-to supplement company for the last five years. So if you do want to check out Mountain Ops supplements, uh, that they gave out a code for me here that to give you free shipping. So if you type in bow free ship that's b-e-a-u free ship you get free shipping on any orders off their website so that's pretty cool um i have links to that over on on my website if you go over to the partners page at eastmeetswesthunt.com click on partners and you can go through the link there to check that out um so Let's kind of dive into today's episode. So I'm recording this intro about a week ahead of time from when this is releasing because I'm heading out uh, to the ATA show. Uh, as this would have released, I'd already been there, but heading out to the ATA show for a couple days and then driving straight into Ohio and hunting whitetails for the late season. And I'm really excited to do that besides the fact that we're not supposed to have very good weather for late season as you probably know cold weather is better for getting those bucks on their feet in daylight to get to the food sources but um that's not going to be the case with uh temperatures in the 50s so it's going to be definitely tough i'm only going for a couple days Uh, i'm going with chris derrick from sick of gear doing some product testing some podcasts and uh, we're heading to Latitude Outfitting Company. Um, they're out of Ohio, Eastern Ohio. Uh, Owen Murphy over there. I'm going to get him on to talk with Chris and I while we're out there. So be looking for those podcasts, but um, really excited about it. I've only ever hunted with an outfitter one other time, and that was with Jim Hole Jr. up in uh, the Bow Zone there in Alberta. So this will be interesting uh, for me. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and and yeah, it should be should be a good time overall. So for today's episode, I brought Brady Miller back on, and we are going to talk all about planning your hunt and understanding the complicated, you know tag system that the west has and it's really not that complicated once you get to understand it but i know for me when i first got into it it was overwhelming and i hope this episode really helps you break it down brady's a genius with these things and he he really breaks down you know it makes it simple for you and you know we talk a lot about go hunt which who brady works for um, you know, another online program membership that I've been a part of from the beginning of my Western adventures and is ultimately led to finding the location where I killed my elk this year and helping plan other adventures down the road. So uh, I, I really think this episode will help all of you out there that have, you know, want to continue hunting out West or you have a dream of doing it and, you know, just kind of overwhelmed with the information I wanted to break it down from a you know a simple term with some simple terminology and really start from ground zero with it. So I think this episode will be helpful. Uh, thanks for listening once again and uh, enjoy. All right, we're live um, on the podcast tonight. 
with Brady Miller. What's going on, man? Oh, just just getting ready for the busiest time of uh, the year for me. <laughs> Application season. So. Yep. <laughs> it's 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 pretty much nonstop chaos from about you know the first of January all the way through June. <laughs> yeah. And There's always something that's going on. Always some application happening. Oh, just never ends right now. It's su- super fun, but it's long hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And and then you go, you know, basically right into hunting just a few months later there. So <laughs> that's a busy. You're a yeah, busy man, I, I guess. <laughs> it's yeah, it's super fun in the fall trying to get you know all my hunts planned in, but then also have to think about while I'm out hunting. It's like, man, I got to start preparing for the winter when we go you know crazy with application stuff just non-stop draw odds application strategy articles and it's like it's a fun time of year but it's like i said also the busiest time of year i look i look forward to uh like june i can actually start writing some more of my like personal articles that i really enjoy and but right now it's all about all about applications and you know getting people tagged show, showcasing opportunities yeah cool well um i guess before we get too far in the weeds with that there Brady, you've been on uh, the podcast before, but if you wouldn't mind giving a, a brief introduction to yourself and and you know what you kind of do, why I asked you to come on here? Yeah, so my name is Brady Miller. I've been uh, with Go Hunt now since since basically we started, which was in early 2014. And I'm the digital content manager, so basically I run all of our all the content side of the website, mainly the written content, um, run through all our social media stuff. I, you know, assign articles to authors, basically run through all the edits of the articles, build all the articles up and work, work with a lot of cool writers across the West on, you know, anything you can think of to how to get a tag in your pocket to how much it costs to apply. And then showcasing all that stuff in our insider research platform, which basically a to Z helps you, you know, get a tag in the West. That's what we're all about to go on the showcasing opportunity, showcasing all your, the, you know, we have data scientists that create draw odds and go through everything you need to know, do how to get a tag, how to break that hurdle down of, you know, everyone thinks the West is so hard to get a tag in, but really when it comes down to it, it's actually super easy. You just got to have the right information in front of you to make the best decision so you can actually hunt more. Instead of sitting on the sidelines like, well, what do I need to do to hunt Colorado? Well, you got to, you know, have a plan kind of built up before you start thinking about it. And so that's what we do based on a daily basis is just try to think of these cool content ideas, trying to think about cool ways to showcase all these tools to our insider members to get them tagged. So kind of summarizes what I do, a little bit about go hunt, I guess, and just that could get in the weeds. So I was trying to. <laughs> make that a little faster <laughs> yeah well i uh it, it's funny I'd, i've been you know using go hunt since i started getting into the the western hunting thing and what the, the biggest thing that's helped me out was you know taking all the the data that you can you can find you know a lot of the information in other places but it brings everything into one's place and makes it easy to understand and and that's what i, I love about it i mean i will continue to renew my membership every year and and be able to I just I like even reading the application strategy articles and and some of the other ones that are in the the insider platform there that even for states and species I don't even plan on hunting yet I just enjoy reading them and and kind of you know plan you know even five six seven years out and that's that's what's real fun about it yeah, and that's what a lot of people have to start doing because like a lot of guys want to come out west, and then you, you start thinking about it. It's like, well, you can't just most of these states you can't just go and buy a tag for, 
And so if like if you had a dream to hunt Wyoming, you know, you got to kind of have like a, you have to kind of know how the state's working. That's why with those application strategy articles kind of breaks down, you know, like says, Hey, you need to start applying for points. You know, what are the points? Like how do those points work in those States? Cause like, if you don't have that decided ahead of time, you're never going to go and hunt Wyoming. Cause like you have to realize, well, I have to build these points up. I can't just draw a tag every single year. I mean, some of those units, you know, you might be able to, but anymore, like a Wyoming elk tag is getting harder and harder to draw. So you have to have like these, you know, two, three year plans kind of built up. Yeah. That's what's kind of cool about showcasing that. Um, yeah, that's what I, I've been using to build my kind of strategy and, and platform going ahead here. You know, like you were saying with Wyoming and, and Montana, I've looked at, I have Colorado deer points I'm building up now and a whole bunch of other places that uh, each year I kind of expand that a little bit and, you know, learn more about it. And, and it's, uh, it's been, it's been a really fun process that I really, you know, appreciate some of the stuff you guys are putting out. Cause it, like, like I said earlier too, like, yeah, a lot of the stuff you could find from like a state agency website, but let's face it, like time is valuable nowadays. And a lot of the stuff that's on the state websites is not like written well enough for a hunter to understand like how the you know the nuances of getting a tag in that state work and even so when you like people are like oh yeah there you know i can kind of figure out draw odds through the state website well a lot of times those simple draw odds that these states are providing even are not describing the full picture because they're just taking simple odds there's like oh there's a thousand some people who are applying for tags and you know so many number of people actually drawn those tags so here's your draw odds when that doesn't take into account you know, non-resident allocations and take into account how many people have what bonus points. And so a lot of times, like, yeah, you could find some of this information on state websites, but we take things to a level that's your actual odds of getting a tag and actual information from the states. And a lot of times we find out, like, states have bad data a lot. And that's why us going through all their state reports, we can, like, you know, pull that out and be like, what does actually this harvest percent mean? Is this meaning bull harvest or is this bull and cow harvest or is this spike harvest like what is that information and so we try to you know showcase that people for based on what they're actually looking for you know a lot of guys might just want to go to colorado and you know shoot any elk they just want to you know fill the freezer with meat like showcase those opportunities to showcase antlerless stuff to all the you know if you want a big trophy bull i guess what's cool about gohan is i always say it's like a kind of like when you're researching, it's like a choose your own ending thing. You can enter in all these uh, filtering criteria and then shoot out the results you want instead of looking at, wow, Colorado has, you know, hundreds of units, but now you enter in all these filtering stuff like public land, harvest success, you know, you'll narrow it down quickly to like five or 10 units. Then you can start diving in and researching further from there. Just like makes things so much easier. It's like, I always say like, if I had this way back in the day when I lived in Montana, I would have hunted completely different areas. Like I was hunting some bad spots. I fig- I figured it out. <laughs> and what's what's funny about um, that and, and everything is whenever someone asks me like, oh, you know, I'm looking at going on a Colorado elk hunt for the first time, you know, what areas should I look at? I'm like, listen, I'm not an expert in any way in this means. I said, you know, I, I always point people to, you know, going to check out Go Hunt because it's, for me, that's what I do. That's a hundred percent, you know, what I go into. And I, I look at other things, you know, on the side as well, but that is where I'm finding the most of my information. And maybe I find information that makes me want to, you know, research something a little bit deeper. But 
for the most part, I mean, like you, you said it perfect, you know, at the beginning where, you know, your, your time is extremely valuable. And I, I tell you, for one thing, I don't want to be that person that's sitting there trying to figure out the draws by myself when I can go and click a couple different filters and figure out exactly what it is. <laughs> I would, it's, that's worth uh, the little bit of cash that you have to upfront every year for that. Yeah. And then the same thing goes too. It's like, you can also track trends too with, you know, like our, our standalone draws feature, you can see like, you know, a unit might've taken, you know, in 2014, it might've only taken two points to draw, but because those areas are getting more and more popular now in 2019, 2020, it's taking, you know, five points or four points. So you have to like, wow, you have to like really plan out how you're going to get these tags. Cause like, wow, these units are becoming more and more popular. Is that because they're getting better or is it because they're cutting more tags out? Is the unit next door that I could draw 100% of the time actually worth my effort because I can hunt it more and learn it more? And that's the cool things you can find out through, you know, filtering 2.0 and the draw odds thing. There's so many different ways you can find a hunt out west. Like, I, I always joke with people, there's too much opportunity when, you get, when it comes down to it. You just got to know what you want to look for, what your criteria is for a hunt, what your goals are. There's a lot yeah. of fun things you can be looking at. So my, my favorite thing is, uh, or my biggest problem with it is I have too many things I want to do now and not enough time. It seems like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Oh, I feel the same way. Everyone, after I did, after I did that first elk hunt was it with born and raised guys. Now people are like, man, you need to go elk hunting more. And now people are like, Brady, you want to go elk hunting? Like, I know you have points. We could pull our points together and go. And it's like, man, I like, I would love to, but I like, I love hunting mule deer. And it's like, I'm trying to balance that with like, what other hunts can I go on while still doing the hunts I want to do? Can I actually draw these hunts? Like trying to plan out your year can be confusing when you have, you know, so many different ways people want you to go. And so it makes it fun though and exciting. You just never know what you're going to draw and how you're going to make your season work out. But usually it works out in the end. Yeah. I I have a, a need or a, yeah, I'm going to say a need to hunt mule deer soon. And, and I, I had a tag this year in Idaho, but it wasn't, that wasn't my focus. I was there to hunt elk and I was there to help my buddies hunt elk too. And so it was just kind of a, a bonus tag in my pocket, but I, I really want to hunt high country mule deer pretty bad. And, and this year I think it's going to be, well, I know it's going to be off limits. Just I'm going to Alaska to hunt caribou, which is amazing. So I'm going to, and then the other thing, you know, how you are with mule deer is kind of how I am with whitetail in the Appalachian mountains here. And I, need to have my time allotted to be able to do that but i'm thinking 2021 is is going to be a mule deer year i mean once you get that mule deer bug in you watch out <laughs> yep well the only reason my elk hunting partners went with me this year is because they didn't draw their their mule deer tags they were looking at and they were pretty set on on going to that they thought they were going to draw in colorado and they didn't and, uh, so I talked them into elk hunt, but the whole time they just kept talking about planning their next mule deer hunt. So <laughs> they're like, you need to, you need to do that with us. <laughs> but yeah, well, that's another good thing you brought up too. Cause you, you said you had a deer tag and an elk tag in yeah. Idaho. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's another thing too. Like a lot of people don't realize you can like pick up these extra species tags. A lot of times that are for the same exact unit you're hunting. And it just adds to the, okay, your opportunity in the field. Like, am I going to see a mule there today? I'll go after it. Am I going to see an elk today? I should go after it. Like, I've done the opposite things. Like, in Colorado every year, I just pick up, you know, a mule there tag and just ran randomly pick some units that I think will look good, go grind them out, 
and would run into elk all the time. And after this last year, I'm now going to buy an elk tag whenever I go to Colorado to hunt mule there because I keep having to pass up these awesome bulls, just random occurrences running into bulls. And I'm like, man, I'm shooting myself in the foot right now by not also having an elk tag in my pocket. I should just throw one in there for the opportunity if it arises. Yeah. Because, like, we ran into a lot of good bulls this year in Colorado. And we had the worst mule deer hunt ever. But, like, literally we saw elk every single day. We could we had multiple opportunities that could six points. So it's like knowing what you can pick up in the unit you're at can also be very beneficial because then you can, you know, kill two birds with one stone in, in a sense and harvest deer and an elk in the same week. Yeah. And, and that's what's that is cool about it because, you know, I picked up my deer tag again, almost like a, you know, a bonus for me. And, and, I had opportunities and I was there for two weeks and I had opportunities at mule deer bucks, nothing, nothing great, but you know, everything that, that I would be, you know, happy with in a, in a first mule deer. And I didn't shoot them cause we were elk hunting and we were kind of just wandering through the timber and, uh, you know, bump into them. And the, sometimes they just probably because I wasn't planning on shooting them that they would just stand up and sit there and stare at you for a little bit, you know, sub 50 yards. And then once I really tried to, <clears throat> excuse me, hunt them, I, I, then I couldn't find any. And <laughs> I spent the whole second week trying to glass them up and it just was not happening. But <laughs> that's, that's what I'm kind of afraid of. Once, once I actually have that elk tag in my pocket, I probably won't see elk anymore. <laughs> and, and, uh, one, one last story on that side of things. I, I was in Colorado in 2017 and saw a 17 bear in the high country over a seven day period. I mean, it was crazy. I was seeing so many black bear color phase, the whole, the whole bit. And I was like, I'm getting a, uh, bear tag next year over the counter. I spent double the time. I spent 14 days there and I never saw a black bear the following year. And I had a tag in my pocket. So <laughs> be careful with that. <laughs> Yeah, there's something to be said about them knowing you have a tag in your pocket, those smart buggers. <laughs> All right, Brady. So what I wanted to, uh, you know, really cover diving a little bit deeper into kind of the, what we're talking about here is breaking down for, you know, non-residents what the tag system looks like and kind of explaining um, to start out over-the-counter tags, and then we'll kind of dive into the draw system and explain some of the, the terminology there that I know I was, you know, really confused about at the the beginning stages of, of myself, you know, researching Western hunting. So uh, I guess to start here, um, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, over-the-counter tags when you hear people saying that, what what they're referring to, and anything along those lines? Yeah, so basically over-the-counter is a hunt that essentially anyone can go on and you don't have to put in for a draw for it. So basically, let's say we want to go hunt Colorado. We can drive right to Colorado. We can pick up an over-the-counter license that day, any licensed service service agents in that state. So you can have a hunt planned. You can do it every single year. That's what's great about over-the-counter tags is that you can learn a unit. You can go to a unit. um, Say you want to hunt elk every year in Colorado. You can go to that unit. Figure it out the first year. Maybe you get lucky, kill a bull. You and your friends can return back to it next year, hunt the same unit again. Now you have a bunch of, you know, your toolkit of knowledge of that unit and the way the animals move around. You can start to figure that out over and over again, which I think is a very, very valuable thing. It's like a lot of people, you know, think like, oh, you need a bunch of points to draw these sweet tags in the West. But when it comes down to it, a lot of the best hunting opportunities in my mind is on these over-the-counter units. Like, you could look at harvest stats a lot of times and be like, okay, this over-the-counter unit has so-and-so harvest stats. But like, if you've hunted that unit 
a lot, I always feel like you can kind of throw those harvest stats out the window and be like, well, we have in-depth knowledge of that unit because we've been able to hunt it all the time and our harvest successes actually could be potentially better than the average because you just have so much more knowledge on it than someone who's jumping into it the first time. Yeah. So like a states like Colorado, states like Colorado, they have over-the-counter elk licenses, super awesome, archery all the way through second, third rifle, that sort of thing. You have Idaho who has over-the-counter license as well. But thing you got to sometimes pay attention to is like Idaho, for example, their over-the-counter licenses, they will sell out eventually. So you have to be sure to keep going on to Idaho Fishing Game. You can check out their their uh, their quotas that they have. And once those are sold out, they're sold out. And after a certain point, later in the summer, um, any of the non-resident over-the-counter tags that are left over, you can actually pick up a second le- over-the-counter tag. So you could potentially take two mule deer bucks or two elk in in Idaho. So that's kind of a cool little feature about Idaho. But uh, over-the-counter tags are awesome. Especially like over-the-counter, you have – like a lot of people don't know about the over-the-counter opportunities in Arizona. Like everyone always thinks Arizona is an awesome place for mule deer, super hard tags to get. But majority of the states actually open for an over-the-counter deer tag with your bow in December, January, and then again in the summer. And you can theoretically hunt all through January with a mule deer tag or you can you know harvest a coos deer in a coos deer unit. Over-the-counter tag with your bow. Don't kill. You could hunt in the summer in velvet. Don't kill again. You could go back in December on that same tag and try to take a buck. So it allows you a lot of opportunity to learn a unit and kind of maximize if you wanted to make that your one hunt and you actually had vacation days to keep going back, like around the holidays. It's kind of easy to get away sometimes. Like you could hunt a ton on an Arizona over-the-counter tag. And so the explain so – There's the, all sorts of weird – I was just going to say, how does that in Arizona specifically, that, that works from the time you buy your license, you have 365 days with it? Is that how that works? Yep. Yeah. So you have to have the the 365 day license to go with it. So if you buy a 365 license, you know, in the spring, it's good for 365 again. So you don't have to buy the hunting license per se twice, but you will have to, um, let's say you want to hunt in December and you want to bleed it into the first part of January, you have to buy a mule deer tag. If I already have a mule deer tag for December hunt, then you have to buy another mule deer tag, or I mean either sex tag, either species tag, mule deer or coos deer, in January again. Okay. So you can kind of you can get by using the same tag, but then if you but if you also have to keep in mind, super guy who let's say you always dreamt of hunting some draw unit in Arizona, if you end up killing a deer on your over-the-counter tag, you cannot draw a permit tag again because you can't kill two bucks in the same year in Arizona. Okay, that makes so a sense. lot of people. A lot of people doesn't. A lot of people it doesn't really play into effect unless you're a guy who has a ton of Arizona points and you're almost near like that max point pool where you're like, hey, I'm actually going to draw an Arizona strip tag this year. It'd be silly to go try to shoot a over the counter buck when you could have, you know, a big trophy tag in a sense coming up to you. That Arizona tag is probably one of the best tags in the West. Like I said, you can hunt. You're hunting bucks in the rut with a bow, and the weather in Arizona in December January is not like you know, nasty weather. Like a lot of people live up North or live in a state with a bunch of snow. Like, yeah, you might experience some snow, but it's like a great time to get out and nothing else is going on. So it's like a perfect time to go, you know, chase bucks in the rut with a bow. Yeah. That's, that's really a cool opportunity. And, and the one thing that is cool about the way that tag works is that when you buy a 365, we're like, you know, a lot of States that have like, say the, the license year, for example, uh, I just bought my Ohio whitetail tag today because i'm hunting it actually i'll be hunting it next week so as you're listening to this podcast i'll be there at that point but um 
my tag my tag and license is only good for a month now because the new calendar or the new licensing year starts again you know at the end of february i believe so in reality i only can use this for this specific hunt and then if i want to hunt them again in the fall i gotta buy or even spring turkey i have to you know buy another whole out-of-state license and tag and everything yeah, like that's another way a lot of people will get by sometimes is uh, you actually can apply in Utah. If you apply um, a certain time of year, you can get you can only buy you can buy a hunting license once and actually get two years worth of applications on one hunting license. Huh. So like you would apply for Utah for for points like towards the end of the application, and then the next year apply like right away. I believe that's how it works. I was thinking about my head for a second, but and then the next year you apply really early, and that way you can get by with using the same hunting license because it's a prerequisite to apply you can get two years worth of, out of it. <laughs> I don't know how you so, keep all these things straight well, in your head. <laughs> that, that, that's why sometimes I'm like, Oh, let's jump on a podcast. I'm like, man, I got to make sure I have this stuff dialed in my head beforehand. Cause like, there's so much information. Like that's what I like about like, you know, working with articles. Like I can have it all in front of me and I can just, you know, go to town an article, but like trying to keep it in my head definitely gets a little confusing when you talk about, you know, all the state nuances, bonus points, preference points, random draw, like all that stuff's like, Whoa, it's, it's a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. And so another, another point on the whole over the counter tag system, cause that's a, a way that, you know, a lot of people will get introduced to hunting the West and, and go into that way. The, the point you said about getting to learn an area is so big. I mean, I, I learned that from hunting the same area for elk for three years, you know, it was just every year you learned a little bit more. You learned where they were, where they escaped when they were pressured. You learned kind of where they were betting. There was just like, there was so much to it. Then, you know, things can change every year, but you definitely learn uh, so much about an area. And, you know, the same thing, if you think of anybody hunting in their home state, if you've hunted an area for a while, you get to kind of learn it. Um, But on the other hand, if, you know, by, you know, continuing to research and look at other over-the-counter areas, you can, you know, find some better opportunities too. You know, I kind of had this thing in my head where it was like, you know, should I stay or should I go type mentality? I, I went back and forth. Should I stay in Colorado for a fourth year or do I try something new in Idaho? And I was really glad I did, you know, change at that point. But, um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things It's it's tough to kind of figure out in your head, but with the, you know, the over the counter tag that, that I had in Idaho there, it was, it was some of the best elk hunting that, that I'd ever experienced. I mean, we were on elk, I think it was, I don't know, 11 out of 12 days or something that we at least saw a bull or, you know, had some sort of an encounter and, and it was an amazing, amazing trip. And it was, you know, literally anybody can buy that tag and, and go. And I'm sure there's, you know, plenty of places, you know, across the West where those opportunities are, are available. Yeah. Along those same lines too. It's like you said, like you can, when you're learning a unit constantly, I also think of it as like, okay, let's say you had this dream to eventually draw this best of the best, you know, premium elk unit in Utah. Let's say you've, you've never hunted elk before. And all of a sudden you draw that tag. You're not doing that tag justice because you don't know how to hunt elk. When earlier those years, you should have been, you know, trying to apply in other states or pick up over the counter opportunities to learn about, you know, what, what makes an elk tick? How do you hunt elk during the rut? How do you hunt elk 
with pressure around you. Like you have to learn all that stuff before you can draw one of these primo tags. So a lot of guys are just sitting on the fence like, oh, I'm going to draw this Utah elk tag and shoot a giant bull. Probably not going to happen if you don't know <laughs> how to hunt that species before you draw the tag. So getting these over-the-counter stuff, cutting your teeth and how to, how to navigate the mountains, how to glass the mountains, like all that stuff's going to come into play when you actually draw that once-in-a-lifetime tag. So you have to have opportunities now to capitalize on great opportunities later. Yeah, I mean, you, if if you're anything like me, you got to screw it up about a hundred times before you get that one time <laughs> right. And I would rather it not be on that bull of a lifetime, you know, in that learning process. <laughs> exactly. Very well put. <laughs> All right. So to kind of to go into you know the the draw system here, and you know, explaining a little bit about there's to kind of simplify it the best that that I can. You know, there's um, you know, the, the lottery system and, you know, the, the preference points, bonus points, you know, how do those all come into play? And can you kind of explain, let's start out first with a, a lottery system and what that means for, for drawing tags. Yep. So basically every year you have to apply for a tag in the West and there's only a certain amount of tags allocated for a certain unit. So basically it is a lottery you're putting in every single year trying to get a tag for that and every year you don't get a tag you're getting a uh, a point back and so that next year you're going in the in the application with an extra point to increase your odds slightly of getting that tag and so this is where um, bonus points and preference points come into play and they're two they might sound very similar but actually two totally um different point systems that a lot of the states utilize um for let's jump into bonus points for example so bonus points essentially is an extra name in the hat for a random type drawing so a very simple example let's say i have uh three bonus points that means i'll have three chances to actually draw this tag um it might sound all good and all but um so it kind of gives everyone a uh, a fair chance to get a tag so let's say i have you know like in montana for example i do this every year i have almost max bonus points for an elk permit in montana and it sounds really great but also at the same time in the bonus point system it gives anyone who's applying a chance to draw a tag just because i have almost max points does not mean i mean i have great odds but there's still a lot more people down at that like three four point level and those people are still drawing tags so Every year, you know, my odds sometimes get worse or stay the same, even though I'm gaining more points. It's because like a bonus point system, that person who's applying for the first year, they do have a chance to draw, even though it's going to be a very, very tiny chance to draw. Um, and that's what a lot of people have to think about. Like, okay, you're going to be putting the system for a long time. You need to know how that bonus point system works and how the preference point system works. Another good thing about the bonus point um, is I fully feel if you're going to apply for a state that has bonus points, a lot of times you can buy a point like after the main draw period and say, hey, I just want to you know, pick up a point for Montana because I'm planning on hunting it down the road, but I don't really want to have a chance to draw this year because my schedule might not allow it. But on a bonus point system, you really need applying for that state every single year because you're never going to be guaranteed a tag in a bonus point draw. Gotcha. That's like a big, that's a big thing for people to think about. So every, even if you have five points, you're like, well, I have you know, only 3% chance to draw. I'll just buy a point this year and not apply. Well, that 3%, might not be 15, 20% in two years. That might be, you might have 15, 20% draw odds after you have like 10, 15 points. Like the points, you know, a lot of times, um, like all that point creep happens and the tags get harder and harder to draw. So you might as well put your name in the hat to try to draw it. Like, well, I drew this dream tag. I will make room in my schedule for it. 
that's why if you sit on the fence, you know, sit on the bench the whole time, not getting in the game, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. And all of us are getting older. All of us are, you know, time is precious. Years are precious. You might as well be trying to get a tag. That's why bonus points. I always say you should, you should try to draw that tag every single year and make room for it. If you draw it, it was something you really want. Yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And can you give us some examples of, you know, states that, that run on that bonus point system? Yeah, so Nevada has a bonus point system, and uh, Montana, for example, like I just explained, has a bonus point system. The nice thing about those two states is they actually square your bonus points. So me, with almost max points, you know, I, let's, for example, we had 10 points and 10 points squared. That means you have a lot more points than that person who's applying for the first year. But like I said, there's a lot of those guys who are in that three, four-point four pool range or even a little bit higher and so a lot of times a bunch of tags get pulled out there, but you do have a little better chance when your points are squared. Uh, like a bunch of other states have them too. Like Oregon has a bonus point system. Um, Utah has a bonus point system. Um, yeah, it's just a, a different way states do it. I kind of wish states would all you know make things simpler and all use the same system, but it does <laughs> benefit you know different er- different areas to yeah. think about like why they do the things they do. Yeah, it. It just seems like, and again, coming from the east, where everything most mostly everything's over the counter, um, and you know, and some of the things that you do put in the draw, they're pretty similar, you know, processes to to apply and the way that the the point systems work. But um, out west, it seems like every state is just is different. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll jump into preference points. So preference point, like I said, kind of earlier, is vastly different than bonus points. Um, preference points basically means they give the states give the tags to the people with the most points. And this is a very important thing. Like a state like Colorado, they're based on a preference point system. So I feel like a lot of people are, you know, thinking like, Hey, I want to hunt Colorado this year. I've heard this mule deer unit's pretty good. I want to, I want to try to draw that unit. And they put in for it and they're like, man, I didn't draw. Like what's give? They probably for the next year. Same thing. They don't, they don't draw. They're, you know, they're sitting on the sideline the whole time when really, if they knew how that preference point system works, like let's say that tag took five points to draw and they kept applying at zero at one point and they're like, man, I, why am I drawing? Like I should, I have another year's worth of points. I should have a chance to draw. But the way the preference point works, only those top point holders are getting those tags. So in a sense, they had 0% draw odds to even try to get that tag. Maybe they really wanted it and they're worth waiting for it. And that's a good strategy too. But it's like, if you're willing to hunt any any unit in Colorado and you just want to hunt, like you should not be applying for a hunt that you have zero chance to draw because you'll never get it under a preference point system. Okay. And then another good the one good thing about a preference point system is though, like unlike the bonus point, like bonus point system, you never know when you're actually going to draw because you're never like a max point holder, not guaranteed a tag. But preference point eventually you will be guaranteed a tag because you could be one of the max point holders. So um so basically on Insider, one great thing about our standalone draw odds area is you can kind of see the the point trend and where that like break point is. A lot of states like Colorado say you have 0% chance up until this point level and boom, now you have a chance to draw that tag. But you also have to think about too, like I said earlier, point creep, which is basically more people are applying in that unit than there are tags available. So all of a sudden, um, let's say that unit took four points to draw and you're like, man, I have three points last year. Now I'm going to have four points. We're going to go hunting, you know, Mueller this year. Well, let's say something happened in that unit and so a bunch of, you know, big deer got shot. People knew about it. They told what unit it was. Now a bunch of guys who have five, six points decide, hey, we're going to, you know, jump on this unit and apply for it. 
So now they'll be guaranteed a tag because they have a higher points. It's going to make that point level for which you have to draw a tag jump up a point or maybe even jump up two points. So it's also like a planning strategy. I think, oh, is this unit trending upwards? And you actually can put those how many points you have in the insider um, or standalone draw. Let's say say you had one point this year, and I'll show you, oh, you had one point in 2015, 2016 you had two. It'll track your points all the way up. You can kind of see that trend line of, Eventually, I might be able to draw this tag, or this tag is actually every year jumping a point, and I'm actually never going to have a chance to draw it. So that's when you have to jump in and be like, man, I need to reevaluate my strategy and try to find a unit that might have similar deer quality that I'm looking for or just similar terrain that I like to hunt and jump somewhere else because you might not ever catch um, that sort of point creep. Yeah, and one thing that's cool about using uh, the Insider, the the filtering 2.0, is just being able to – so say you just want, you had two points for Colorado deer and you're like, I just want to see what my options are. You're not set on a specific unit and you can go in and, you know, put the, the, the filtering slider bar there, say to hundred percent success with two points or a chance, hundred percent chance of success with drawing with two points. And then it basically just outlines all the units that are available. Then you can kind of dive into each of those, units and be able to you know then look at the additional data to be able to figure out where you'd like to go yeah that's the like one of the most powerful tools is like that filtering 2.0 like i said it's like a choose your own ending thing you can choose to i just want to hunt now and you can like i said put that slider all at 100 percent with your point level and boom those are hunts theoretically you could draw and hunt right now and the other good side of that too a lot of states have like second choice tags and like you, so if you draw your first points, you lose your bonus points or you lose your preference point. But if you draw your second choice, you get to go hunting that year and you can gain a point. So you also can put in like, oh, I just want, I want to save my points in, for example, Colorado this year, but I want to hunt Colorado. What are my odds of drawing second choice tags at 100%? I just want to go to a unit and learn it. And you could do that. Maybe you can also throw it in there too. Like if you're a guy like me who wants to hunt mule deer, like third season mule deer, Colorado, everyone always touts that as the best because bucks are kind of getting ruddy. You have a lot of snow happening, but like you want to save those points up and actually draw a third season. Well, what I would do, my strategy is I want to pick up a second season tag because a lot of times those you can draw second choice or those are leftover tags. You can pick up a second choice or second season tag in that unit and kind of scout it out ahead of time until you draw that third season tag. So it gives you another leg up on the competition who never been in that unit before. Now you know how the road system works, how where most people are hunting, how to how this pressure impacts deer, like all that stuff will play into it too. And you just like figure out those nuances of how you can get a tag more often. And that's what's so sweet about Insider. I mean, like like it's it opens the door to a lot of opportunities when you start digging into it. Like, man, I can hunt this every year and build a point, like more hunting's always better. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you you seem to hunt Colorado decent amount for mule deer and uh, you know, and and if you were just, you know, relying on, you know, drawing say, you know, higher point totals and stuff, you you wouldn't be able to do that without that that second choice opportunity. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah, that's 100% correct. And like I like guys like to build points up, but I always say points you can't eat points and points don't look good on the wall and you don't have any hunting experience when you spill points. So like me in Colorado, like I just bounce around, like literally you can throw a dart on the board on Colorado and boom, that could be a good mule deer spot. Like it's such a great state, especially like to hunt it every year. Like you have to be able to bounce around in Colorado to hunt mule deer every year. You can't wait on, Oh, this tag takes 
four points to draw. I'd rather hunt Mueller every year, pick up those easier to draw tags or those leftover tags or, or stuff like that. Like every year hunting, you're gaining more experience. And that's why I like, I think a lot of my success in Colorado is came to just being willing to move around, not getting stuck on, Oh, this is the trophy unit. Cause so-and-so said there's, you know, giant bucks here and it's worth waiting five years to draw. Well, in five years, a lot can change in a unit. Like it could be a great unit then, but by the time you get enough points to draw it, all those other people knew about too, and were killing bucks before you got there. And all of a sudden, the unit's not as good as it was four years ago. You're behind the trend. Like through Insider, you can find all this little hidden gem stuff of like getting there before it becomes too trendy. And most people like will end up applying for it and point group goes higher. Like that's why hunting, hunting things every year and picking up easy to draw tags, I think is a way better strategy than waiting for a dream, dream tag. I have a lot of states like, I consider dream opportunities, but for the most part, like I want to hunt every year. So it's like, how am I going to do that? I got to pick up tags that are easy to draw or do a lot more over the counter stuff. Yeah. And it, that was, you know, that was a mistake I, I definitely made earlier on with elk hunting and not. So the first year I was out there, I saw some people during that early muzzleloader season killing some good mule deer bucks in the area. And we'd be glass in the high country and, and see some good bucks but uh, then the next year I went out there and I was like, oh, I'm going to save, I think I had one or maybe two mule deer points. I'm like, I'm going to save these points and just wait till I was going to focus on mule deer to hunt them. And, uh, and I, I could have drawn that tag with one point and it actually had a chance even with, with no points. But I was so, I was so mad at myself once I got out there and I went out for the opener for elk and was just seeing some awesome mule deer and couldn't do anything about it, you know? <laughs> and, and I, yeah. you know, I probably would have screwed it up, but it would have been, that's where you learn, you know, now where, you know, as I save my points and stuff, it'll be, it'll be uh, a little bit more higher stakes, I guess. Yeah. A lot of times too, like you start building points just to build points. And then you realize like, man, now you're in kind of what I like to call like no man's land. You have, too many points, too many years invested to try to, you know, pick up a unit that has, you know, you can draw with zero points or one point, but you also don't have enough points for those like units. Most people consider trophy units. You're like in the middle there and you're like, man, I could have been hunting four years right now, pick it up easy tag. And now I have four points and now I'm like, man, I, I can't draw anything I want to. And I have too many points for other things. Like, do I just cash in those points now, start over? Do I wait in this system and hope I can draw that tag, try to find another unit at my point level? Like all that stuff starts to play into your application strategy. That's why I think a lot of people, you have to kind of think about it as like, as you know, what can I hunt right now? What's my three-year plan? What's my five-year plan? Do I have plans after that? Do I just reset? Do I want to keep hunting deer? Do I want to switch to elk? Like, whew, all sorts of things come into play. It gets, it, it seems confusing and all that stuff, but once you start diving into it, it's like, okay, I can have a plan. I know what I'm going to hunt this year. I kind of have a plan already for 2021, what I want to hunt. It's like, you start gaining a lot of knowledge about how everything works and when you need to apply and when your draw results come back to use that refund money kind of thing. Like you can, <laughs> you can play the you can play the game quite a bit with it. So do you do you when you go into each season or anything? Do you have oh I'm sure you have like you know strategies for yourself, but like do you set up plans like all right here's my short term goals here, some of my mid term goals here, my long term goals, or how how are you kind of keeping yourself organized with the the chaos of all all these opportunities? Yeah, I'm all I'm always trying to plan for the future, but I also want to hunt right now. That's the 
I guess the most condensed version I could probably put that. I'm always thinking about, okay, like right now, like in Colorado, eventually those, you know, season dates are going to flip and then we're going to get really late um, rifle hunts for mule deer in Colorado. So I'm like, man, do I want to save, should I save my points right now so that once those season dates flop in a couple of years, I'm going to actually be hunting deer that are super late. So they're going to be better or increased chance of being in the rut or more people thinking about doing that as well. And it's going to be actually really hard to draw. So maybe I should just hunt next year before everyone else jumps into that state and kills all the deer because it's going to happen in Colorado in a couple of years and the season dates go super late. So it's like I have to think way ahead, but also I want to hunt right now. Like I do not want to, you know, sit on the sidelines and, uh, you know, build points. And when I can, you know, choose a different state to go hunting or go, you know, pick up an over counter tag or should I, you know, try something different and do something crazy. Like you're talking about doing, should I go hunt Alaska caribou? Like, should I take a year off and just make that, you know, one of my main hunts and then, you know, build points for that year. It's like all comes into play. How are you, how are you going to think about it? Yeah. And do you, um, as far as like the, the application deadline. So when you have to put in for the tags are, you know, different in a lot of States. And, and so, I mean, is that go into your strategy as far as when you're, you're planning these things out? It really does. And the one big one this year, I'm sure you've heard a lot of people talking about, is how Wyoming is pushing back their draw results date for elk, for non-residents. Yep. So, so we had talked about this year in the office here, me and a couple of guys were thinking about, hey, let's just go back to see if we can go back to Wyoming, do an awesome elk hunt film. But at the same time, I want to apply for other states before then. And I was like, if I draw, you know, let's say if I draw one of these states before I figure out Wyoming, those dates are going to conflict. Now I get to pay attention to like, will that state allow me to turn back in my tag? If one, I have a priority or one or the other and still get my points back. Cause I can't do both, but it's like, what do I do now? Do we, do we gamble with Wyoming and try to draw that tag, but we won't find out if we draw it till, you know, May, which a lot of the results are already out in other States. So I can't double book myself. And so now you have to think about that whole strategy of things. And now they're keeping your money a lot longer too. So like, can I afford to, you know, tell my wife, Hey, I got a, you know, Wyoming application and we're going to be out of money for four months. Cause they're taking my fees now instead of just two months, like all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, so, so like, it's hard to think about like why the States do what they do, but obviously they have a reason for it. It's probably mainly, you know, revenue based, but it's like for some of us to apply in all these Western States and you have to front all this money all the time. It's like, man, I'm out, you know, a lot of money. And how's that going to play into how I'm going to apply for these other States. And then when I draw certain tags, yeah, you got to think of it all. Like, I think those application deadlines and then application draw is also kind of a good thing to pay attention to. Yeah. I, so I'm guessing Wyoming has just created uh, a lot more, I guess, arguments and feuds in some households um, this, this coming year for that. <laughs> yeah. And then the same thing is, too, a lot of people are mad at Wyoming because last year they changed it where if you applied for elk, let's say you did not draw a tag, you don't automatically get a bonus point before it was assumed that you'd automatically get your point and then you'd be fine, but they changed it. So, okay, if you don't draw a tag, you have to pick up a point later on, on their points only period. So internally on the office, we're thinking there's, there's a lot of guys who we've heard who forgot to buy their point in the point only period. And now we're going to be a point behind. So actually our draw odds going to get a little bit better because a lot of guys forgot to buy their point. So we may have a better chance to go to Wyoming than we thought. So we should bank on that as our number one hunt. And at the same time, people have been front their money throughout that whole time. Is that going to scare people away from applying in Wyoming? So actually, even though the draw odds got a little bit worse last year in Wyoming, 
are they going to get better this year because of the whole how they change things with the point period and how they change things now with keeping their money a lot longer. So you have to think about all that too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, New Mexico did something similar with that last year. With uh, as far as making you, you weren't getting as much refunded, right? You still had to keep was your license cost, or it was so, something that made it, you know, a lot less likely in my eyes that people would apply for it. But I, I still didn't draw my tag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When states change things, it it opens a door. It's it's people are like, oh yeah, it doesn't make make a big difference. But when you really think about it. And you're a guy who has everything set every single year. Normally, it's the same thing. It throws a wrench into it. And you have to keep, you know, keep your mind forward thinking of how it's going to impact how everyone's applying. Because you can't always just think about what happened to your draw. You have to think about everyone else's drawing too. And like they have points in everywhere. There's a bunch of guys. Like certain states, you can just bank points. Like you can those points only period. Guys can just buy points with ever entering the draw. So you see, like some of these draw um, draw odds. A lot of guys will come back to us like, oh man. Like, Go Hunt said, draw odds were this and this, and I didn't draw. What gives? And it's like, well, people could bank points in that state, and all of a sudden they decide, a bunch of people decided to jump in and burn their Wyoming elk points. And so it made the draw odds worse. Like, you can't predict how many people are going to apply to that unit. And so it's like one of those things you get to like track those trends, see how that unit's kind of going is, you know, more people applying, harvest success is going up at the same time. It's going to attract a lot of people, and you got to be forward thinking and look all that. That's why, like, Insider's great because we can show you all that information and kind of like stay ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, and, you know, between, you know, the filtering 2.0 and then the application strategies, I mean, that's, that's been my ticket for, you know, kind of going in and, and finding these places. And just to give a kind of a, uh, you know, a case study with it is when I went, decided on where I was going in Idaho last year, you know, I, I used filtering 2.0 and I narrowed it down to, I think it was like eight units or eight zones, I guess that I had, um, or units. And then, um, then I kind of looked at what zones those fell in and the tags and everything. I started, you know, narrowing that down even further and further and everything just made sense to, to where I was going from the, the success rate, the harvest success rate with archery equipment down to the, you know, the bull to cow ratio. You can look at the, those type of things, you know, buck to doe ratio and, you know, everything else that was involved there was, you know, the kind of terrain I was looking for, gives descriptions, photos, whole bunch of stuff there. And again, those were my personal goals that I had. And I found that hunt that fit that, you know, that, I guess my goals and it, you know, it ended up working out and it's, I just think that's awesome to be able to do that instead of getting kind of lost in a sea of information. And the number one thing that I messed up from the beginning was starting, uh, learn about Western hunting was reading too many forums and you can spend hours getting useless information on forums just to get one little gem, maybe. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's funny. I've, de- I've definitely done the trick. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm going to search, you know, this form for this information and start reading it after I've hunted it. And I'm like, wow, I can tell that guy is steering someone to a different unit. I can tell that guy is steering to a different unit. Like it's hard to get valuable information on the form. And that's like those unit profiles. Like we have all the description stuff at the bottom. Like a lot of guys are like, man, we wish you would like give more information about this unit. Like where's a good spot for me to park my truck to access this national forest? <laughs> like, is this a good area? Is this is a good area to glass. And like, you think about it, it's like, you really want us to put that on there so everyone can read it. And like, everyone's going to go there. Like we try to give like a b- good baseline information for people to go off of. But then we get, if we get too much information, it totally wrecks the spot. And then you would come back to us like, Oh man, you blew that unit up. 
because you told everyone to go here. That was my honey hole. I've been hunting there with my dad for 15 years. And it's like, it's a fine line you can play with how much you can give away. But the best part about it, like numbers never lie. Like, that's why you said, like bull cow ratios, harvest success, like public land percentage, like all that stuff can play into what you're looking for in a hunt. You can use the data. Numbers are, I think numbers are way more powerful than any written narrative about a unit. So it's like, yeah, that's a lot of information I like to lean on. Yeah. And, and we could dive into, you know, a hundred different scenarios within that. And, and I, like I said, I really would encourage people just to check it out and, and try out the free trial. Um, do you still give the free trial or go hunt? Yep. For free trial, we normally crank that up in the summer, kind of after the application period, just so, you know, <laughs> It'd be a little tough to give someone a free trial right now, then they could use it for their application season. Yeah. But what, but once they do get a free trial, we can always run that, I think it's like July through October, that gives them access to every single piece of information we've ever came out with. Like they can dive into all the application strategy articles for the last, you know, however many years. And also that gives you access to all the other insider only related articles. Like a lot of articles on our website are free. Like I'll write a bunch of like random mule deer articles that'll open up for anyone to check out because I feel like they're really valuable because I want to help people out in the field. But there's also a lot of really good, like, which Colorado uh, um, mule deer season is right for me. I dive into a big information about how to pick a second season from a third season. Should I go muzzleloader compared to archery? Go, like, all those little things, and they'll, I'll lock that down to insiders only. So there's a lot of good information that people can pick up any time of year by checking those insider-only related articles besides for the strategy articles. Like, those are, strategy articles are very valuable right now. But there's also a lot of those juicy articles that we like to, you know, showcase just to our insiders. Yeah, and just be aware, anyone, if you're planning on, you know, uh, you know, signing up for this, and you you might get in a little bit of trouble at work. I mean, every time I pull up my Google Chrome that has the like the top eight websites there, and Go Hunt's always in the top three because I go and I just <laughs> I, I check it almost daily just to read articles and I really enjoy getting the the information from there and, and being able to you know learn uh that information so it's it's been a, a huge help for me and that was one of the reasons I really wanted to you know talk to you about that um but uh Brady is there anything else on the the go hunt side of things that that you wanted to cover I think that handles a lot of it. I mean, like right now is probably one of the most powerful times to start your research stuff, but also too, like, even for guys who are like, man, I didn't apply for anything right now, but I'm still considering, like we said, those over the counter hunts, like you can, you know, utilize go hunt, like right before you're leaving on a hunt. Like we've, I've done it before with my brother. Like I sent him to Idaho for an elk hunt. Like I'd never been there, but we just, you know, got on go hunt, started filtering out all these places for Idaho over the counter elk and who's going on the rifle season. We bounced around ideas between two different units. And this was like a week before we went out there. Like we were kind of scrambling because he just picked up a tag and like you can find a hunt fairly fast if you're like oh i need to fill i need to fill a hunt in my calendar well boom jump a go hunt go to over counter stuff figure out what's available to you right now and then learn it really quick and you can go out and have a good hunt like it's it might seem like a lot of information when you start going through but once you start playing around with filters once you start playing out the draw odds like you'll learn it pretty quickly how to navigate it and just helps you out a lot like if you start a regulations book and it says you need X, Y, Z season dates are this. Here's how many tags to give out. You don't really know what that, what that unit is. Like, is that a good unit? Is that unit all private? Is that all public is, you know, that unit harvest success is going down. A lot of people are avoiding it. Like that's all information you can find right through insider. And that's just why, like I said earlier, like I've been, I lived in Montana for, uh, what was it? Like 
12 years, I think it is now, or was before. And like, I would have hunted a lot different if I had go hunt back then. Like it would open the door to so many different things. Like I kick, I kick myself for some of the areas I hunted. Like, man, now I figured this out. I've like, I've hunted here based on what I found on insider. And it's like, we've had success every single year because of it. It's like, it opened my eyes to all the opportunities. I, yeah, and I, I'd really realized how much I appreciated it once I started doing research for Alaska a couple of years ago. And I know now, you know, Alaska is up on the insider there, but, uh, I had to start from scratch. It felt like trying to navigate through all of the stuff and, and it was, it was extremely difficult. Um, yeah. Cause back, back in the day, the only way you can get really good, reliable Alaska information is all the books written in like, you know, the sixties and eighties and stuff like that. And you have to dig into that. And like, I'm even considering, you know, going to Alaska this year. Like you said, you're going on a caribou hunt. I think I might dive in and see if I can make that happen this year or next year. Cause it's like the opportunity is there. It's right in front of me and I have all information now. It's like, now all I have to do is should buy my plane ticket and commit to going. Yep. Yep. Definitely. I, um, so I know Brady, you, you had went on, you know, you did a lot of hunting this past fall and everything, but to kind of end off this podcast, I'd like to, if you want to tell, you know, one story of your most memorable or your favorite hunt from the 2019 season. Who favorite <laughs> hunt of this year. Uh, I got one that was my least favorite. I'll just touch on that quickly. That was, uh, <laughs> that was Colorado. Um, usually Colorado treats me very, very well. Um, experienced probably the most difficult hunt I've ever been on in Colorado. There's a deer. I don't know where they were. They just were nowhere we were at. We hunted all the way from 11,000 feet down to the lowest part of the unit. I still hunted in timber and I hate still hunting for deer. It's just, I just want to poke my eyes out. I don't feel like I'm very effective walking around, especially when you have like another hunter behind you one of my friends and we have a camera guy. It's a lot of noise. Yeah. So <laughs> short story was, like I said before, I wish I had an elk tag cause I could have killed a lot of bulls. So that was a very difficult hunt uh, trying to figure out what went wrong in my head so I can capitalize next year. But probably my most favorite hunt was the hunt I took uh, Chris Porter on this year in Wyoming. So he'd never been to Wyoming before. I'd been there in 2016. Finally built up enough points to get us back into Wyoming. And we uh, applied as a party together, drew the tag, started planning on it. And I'd mentioned to Porter, I was like, hey, I have a, you know, a good friend in Idaho um, who has llamas. Um, he owns Wilderness Ridge Trail llamas, rented llamas from the forest. Like, hey, Porter, let's take llamas into Wyoming. And he's the type of guy who loves food and loves having comforts in the backcountry. So <laughs> llamas for him were a game changer, especially when I told him that we're hunting in grizzly country and he's kind of, he's very freaked out about grizzlies. And I was like, well, llamas actually add a bunch of security around camp because they'll make a big, you know, alarm call if anything comes near it. So like having llamas is going to be great. We can be mobile. We can carry awesome food. We had like, man, what did we have for dinner? Sometimes we had like tortellinis and pesto. <laughs> like we, pack, we packed up jars of pesto sauce, like actually glass jars. We, we brought in a bunch of like kielbasa sausages. We were eating like Kings on the mountain. And so a hunt like that was really good for him because he's not a backpack, a backpack hunter at all. He usually, you know, hunts from a, either a truck and goes out for a day or stays in a hotel room at night. So like that right there to him helped cut down that barrier of entry. And it's made him for a lot more comfortable in the backcountry. And then since I already knew how to navigate the mountain, we figured we were going to have a great hunt. But uh, just to quickly go through it, like we struggled finding deer. It was just nasty snow, like super cold like some mornings i think were around like 10 degrees out and this is in like the first week of october 
just brutal cold. Like we're running our stove and our teepee, like constantly trying to stay warm every night and just like cool. Like I kind of like those type of hunts where you're grinding it out. Cause like the whole survival factor, the adventure side of it, you know, nothing goes right. We're not seeing any deer. I'm like, man, I was here in 2016 and I took him to the basin. I killed my buck in, I got a big inline on the buck. And I was like, why I wanted to kill that buck in 2016. Cause I never killed inline buck. I took him that basin. I was like, man, poor last time I was here, it was the last day of the season. I saw 14 bucks in this basin, very similar condition to this cold snow. We're going to have an awesome time. We started there, showed up the first morning, never saw a single deer, St- stayed there that night, never saw a single deer. I'm like, poor, what is going on? Like this is, this spot was my number one spot. Saw 14 bucks. They, like, it's just like one week earlier than I was at in 2016. So I figured they'd still be there. The snow conditions were perfect. Wasn't too much snow. I'm like, man, we're not finding any deer. We started moving around. Start moving camp, I think, two more times. And breaking down camp with llamas sounds great, but there's a lot of stuff you got to do to pack up a llama, weigh all your panniers out. Like, moving is not a fast endeavor. So we're like, man, we got to maximize our time moving. We'll last in the morning, pack up everything, move. So, yeah, we moved twice. Ended up finally finding some deer. Like, I think I found, like, three bucks up to this point, like, just tiny bucks. And I was off, like, hiking in the deep snow all by myself. Like, poor, I'm going to go on a scouting mission. I'm going to go way up high in these rocks try to find some deer found those you know smaller bucks but i did find a buck uh really far away it was like three miles from our camp and this is just not like three miles rolling hills get there really fast this is three miles like drop down one ravine climb up another mountain drop down this north facing slope side hill around this big boulder field and i was like porter tomorrow we're waking up early we're gonna hike all the way over there and we're gonna kill that buck and like the digiscope footage I had got before was like, you could, you could tell it was a decent buck, but you didn't really know for sure. There was a bunch of elk on that hillside too. So I'm like, man, I hope this, these elk can spook the deer out, but we're going to go in there tomorrow and we're going to kill that deer. And we went all the way, navigate all the way in there, set up on my glassing point, getting about the same time of evening the night before, looked all the way across and was like, boom, I had him in my spine. So like, poor, there's that buck from the night before. And he was like, what do we do? How do we want to approach this? And I was like, well, I'm confident in my rifle. I shoot it all summer long. I hand reload everything. Everything's dialed. I'm going to take the shot right from here whenever he steps out of that timber. And it was a little bit of a chaos mess for a while because I sat down on the buck, getting ready to shoot him. Goes back in the timber again. I'm like, man, he's gone. Now we have to wait till the evening comes back. Like, I don't think he's going to come back out. 30 minutes went by. I didn't find him. All of a sudden, boom, I located him again. He starts coming back up. Set back down on the gun. Try to control my breathing. Do everything right I could. Touch the shot off. Hit the buck just perfectly like you could it's like one of those situations where i was here like oh i could walk up and i couldn't put that bullet any more perfect it was that situation just like went from the lowest to lowest to the highest of highs like super super fast we're all hugging like we just struggled had the worst hunt ever we thought we only saw up to that point like i said three or five bucks it was very very low numbers of deer when the when two years ago deer were everywhere and just like that capped it off as like wow this is like everything i wanted to hunt we struggled to survive all the snow grinded it took porter on a death hike and then, once, <laughs> and then the, the worst part was when we packed that buck out because so i was like oh yeah we kind of got the, you know the idea of what to go back we're not going to go up and over all these mountains we're going to try to cut down below the valley and then get to the ridge and then kind of go up the valley below our campus and then get back up top so after we took a bunch of pictures of the buck um i deboned them all right there to make our packs light i was like man i don't want to come back here tomorrow like i would suck to go all this way to get more than me let's just suck it up I'll carry the meat, have the camera guy. He'll like carry some of my spying scopes and wear gear so we can have all the meat. We didn't get back to camp until I think 3.30 or 4 in the morning. 
<laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> and I think I, sh- and I think I shot my buck. I don't know what it was. It was like an hour and a half before dark. And like, while we were hiking back, like we kept like going down and up, kind of getting somewhat lost in the timber, looking at our maps. Like, okay, yeah, we're making the wrong turn here. We have to go back. And like, at one point I was like, Porter, my headlamp's about to die. And like, I do have a backup, but do you guys have backup headlamps? They're like, no. And they've been running their whole headlamp now for like five days straight. I was like, do you guys have backup batteries? They're like, no. I was like, crap, I don't have my um, portable charger. I can't charge my headlamp right now. I don't have batteries either. We all forgot AAA batteries. We all forgot our charge packs. And here we are in grizzly country with meat on our back, hiking in the dark. And at one point I was like, we just need to sit down. I was like, let's just build a fire and just camp out here for the night. And they were all freaked out. Like, no way we're doing that. Like, there's no way in hell we're going <laughs> to camp in grizzly country. And like, I'm like worried because like, I have a fresh headlamp right now, but I also don't know if my batteries are great. Cause at one point I caught my flashlight or my headlamp on earlier that day in my backpack, oh. like the, my, my, my backup. So like my main headlamp died, I'm on my spare. I don't know how good theirs are. And then at one point they're like, man, like we haven't seen any grizzly tracks yet. This is really crazy. And like, I didn't, I still haven't told them this. I think I told our camera guy that later, but I was actually smashing bear tracks cause I was leading in the mud so they wouldn't see him behind me because i don't want to make them nervous yeah <laughs> and it was just one of those things like finally we got back to camp and was like holy crap that was a long day and then we slept till like you know one the next day and just like like that's the kind of adventure like i want in the hunt it wasn't the biggest deer in the world it's still an awesome deer with big mass and he was already dressed because he had a big old nasty like cancerous looking growth on his face mm-hmm and he was like super skinny body like you could see his rib cage in the digiscope footage and like we got up to him his neck was so skinny like and then later on, I took his, you know, started cleaning out his head. His whole bottom jaw was all rotted out. He could barely eat. It looked like he was going on the downhill. So I felt kind of good taking that deer out of the herd because I didn't think he was going to make it. But overall, like a phenomenal hunt. Everything I want in a hunt. Shot a deer, had a great experience with someone who's not comfortable in the backcountry. We're in grizzly country, got out safe, and it's had a cool story to tell afterwards. And we filmed it too. So it's going to be an awesome you know, thing to look back on. Oh man, that, that is so cool. I I love those type of hunts too. And at the time they suck a lot of times and it's the, the, the make the best stories though. Yeah. It's like one of those ones you look back on. It was like, man, we did some stupid things, but we came out in the end and it was all good. No one got eaten by a grizzly. No one's headlamp died. We might've hurt the next day, but that's one you always look back on. It's like, this is why we go in these cool places in the West every year. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That uh, that's what I was looking for out of a, a story there, and I, I've followed along with you on social media and stuff, and seen some of the photos and everything. But it's always best to hear it, you know, straight from your mouth of the, the whole the whole experience there. So that's that's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing when that film comes out. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be probably my favorite film of the year, especially like having llamas too. Like every day you wake up. And you look over at those llamas and I can't help but like smile. I don't know what it is about them. They're just so goofy looking. And you're just like, dude, you guys are so cool. Like you guys helped us so much. You don't even realize it. It's snowing right now and you guys are all just huddled up, totally looking fine. I walk out there with some treats for them. They're like, they're like dogs. They're just like so happy to see you every time you get back to camp. Yeah. <laughs> llamas, I've never hunted with them, but we, we were set up at this spot in, in Colorado uh, packed back in and and the next like little meadow up there was someone else had set up a camp they brought in llamas and so we'd be walking back at night and go past their camp and just I, I, like you said all you can do is I, I laugh and I smile every time I see them because they're just such goofy animals but 
yeah they're they're pretty cool like if you get a chance to ever use them like i highly recommend it like it not only makes it like easy to carry your gear in but like like i said i camp every night adds that safety factor you, you know you can pack it all that meat at once if you have a bull down way you know in september like you can get the meat out and know it's going to be fine like there's a lot of benefits yeah cool all right brady well i think that's uh i think that would We'll end it with with that story there, and uh, I want to appreciate you you coming on. So, would you uh, like to give some more information for people to be able to find out some of the information, some of the content you're putting out, and also with Go Hunt? Yeah, so a lot of times right now we're posting a lot of our content just all over the Go Hunt webpage, so it's just GoHunt.com. And if you want to, you know, check out our insider, all the benefits, just GoHunt.com/slash/insider. Um, right now, like I said, there's a lot of application strategy articles coming out. Those are locked to insiders only, but those are very valuable for people trying to get in the points game or figure out how to navigate a state. And also, yeah, just check us out on Instagram. We do have a lot of cool content. You know, a lot of our Instagram stories are, you know, swiping up to our cool articles and also share a bunch of stuff on my personal account too. And like, you know, I'm always open for anyone to reach out like DMS. I love responding to DMS. So if people want to, you know, reach out to me, send me a DM with a little question. I'd be happy to get you know back to people. I'm always I'm always willing to showcase, you know, the opportunities we have in the West and, you know, help someone out, whether it's gear suggestions, clothing, what I think about, you know, mule deer during this time of year. Like I'm always game. Cool. Well, again, thanks for coming on, man. It's always a pleasure. And I know I'm going to get shit for not talking to you about mule deer for the second time having you on here, but we'll, we'll get into that at some point. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we definitely, definitely have to, I could talk to that for a couple hours. So. <laughs> uh all right. Well, uh, Brady, you have a good rest of your evening and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time.